Good morning, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just love you so much and we thank you for this opportunity to be here. Lord, I pray that you would just um, anoint our worship and let it be pleasing to your ears. Lord, we pray for Pastor as he delivers this message. Please let our hearts be receptive. And God, I pray that you would just remove any distractions and anything that takes our mind off of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And as you read on, the crowd fixed their eyes, says the crowd fixed their eyes on Jesus. This morning, be filled with hope, be filled with joy. If you know Jesus, that good news is already for you. You're not at bound anymore. You're not oppressed anymore. You're free in Jesus' name. But if you stand here today and you don't know Him, this good news is for you. You're not too far gone. You're not, have, you don't have chains on your life that can't be broken right now in the name of Jesus. Be free. Be full of hope. Believe the good news isn't just for a select few, but it's for you this morning. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Church, I'm just going to ask you, would you just right now fix your eyes on Him? Set your eyes on Him. Seek Him this morning. Look to Him. Things around you might be in turmoil. Storms might be going on. But this morning, be filled with hope. Hope is alive. Peace is alive. Joy is alive because Jesus is alive. In Jesus' name. Let's do our declaration this morning. Let's keep declaring with our mouths the word of the Lord. Lord, today by faith, we declare that we are walking in the manifestation season. As your faithful remnant, we will house your very presence. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And he has delivered us from all of our troubles and fears. We are no longer victims, but we are victors in Christ. We will not be deceived by the lies of the enemy, but we will give health healing and wholeness to the hopeless and those in despair. We will live under your anointing and see the revealed purpose of Christ in each of our lives and we declare your everlasting word on earth as it is in heaven. I pray that every soul in this place believes that the word of God is for them. We declare good news this morning. We declare light in the midst of darkness. We pray people walk in freedom. 
Jesus' name. Amen. text this morning the same text he's been taking Ezekiel 8 chapter 3 and then we're jumping over to chapter 47 1 and 2 Ezekiel 8 3 and then to 47 1 and 2 and this is what the word of the Lord says and he put forth the form of a hand and took me by a lock of mine head and the spirit lifted me up between the earth and the heaven and brought me in the visions of God to Jerusalem, to the door of the inner gate that looketh toward the north, where was the seat of the image of jealousy, which provoketh to jealousy. 47, one and two. Afterward, he brought me again unto the door of the house and behold, waters issued out from under the threshold of the house eastward. For the forefront of the house stood toward the east, and the waters came down from under, from the right side of the house at the south side of the altar. Then brought he me out of the way of the gate northward, and led me about the way without the utter gate, by the way that looketh, looketh eastward, and behold, there ran out waters on the right side. Lord, we praise you that we're able to gather in this house this morning. And I just pray, God, that your will be done in this place and that your people are prepared and ready for the word of God this morning. I pray you'd help our pastor to deliver it this morning with anointing and power that is from you, Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. It's good to see everybody in the house of the Lord this morning. We're glad that you're here and we're glad that the presence of the Lord is here. Can you say amen to that? 
Amen. Before I get into the word of the Lord, I just want to make a couple of pleas to you today. First of all, this coming Thursday and Friday night at 7 o'clock, we're going to be having our state convention right here at the church. Brother Ziegler is going to be preaching in those services. He will be hanging over and preaching for us again on that Sunday. And we, I just really believe something major is about to happen. I believe that something is going to blow apart. You need to be here Thursday night at 7 o'clock. Friday night at 7 o'clock, guys, we need to pack this place out. And then Friday morning, we got Tom Gillum, our former overseer, one of the greatest guys. We need to really show him that we support him. He was one of our greatest overseers that we've ever had, one of my personal friends. He'll be here on Friday morning in the morning session at 10 o'clock. So we want everybody here Friday morning at 10, those of you that don't work. Come out and enjoy the word of the Lord. I, we got some lineups for you that's coming. Uh, I thought I would finish my series this week. I'm not going to finish it this week due to the fact it just keeps just growing in me. And the Lord just keeps showing me things out of our text. But um, uh, I don't even, I've never even got to the main point of what I've wanted to always get to. It just keeps getting shoved and shoved and shoved. Won't even get there this morning. But we are going to preach uh, here in just a few moments about that. But uh, after Brother Ziegler will be with us this Sunday... Um, Tim Ofield from Ohio, we've got a little bit of a staff meeting that we're having. He's going to do some training with us on a personal level, but he'll be back that next Sunday with us. And you're really going to enjoy him. He's a, a, a pastor. Most of you have know him. He's got five campuses, and he's just a tremendous man of God, one of the most seasoned men that you'll ever meet in your life. And I just believe between those two events that God's got something planned for us that's beyond our comparison. And we can't even we can't even comprehend what God's wanting to do, Amen. How many believe that with me? So remember that. And also, Amen. Those of you that might be visitors here this morning, uh, you noticed we didn't take up any offering. Our offering uh, boxes are in the back. If you'd like to put some offering in that or some tithe when you leave, we would greatly appreciate it. If you have tithe, you can mail it in. You can go online. You can do the app. You can give it to one of us. Uh, we'll come by and get it. You call us. Amen. <laughs> Whatever how you want to get it here, we'll get it. If you've got a desire, let us know. We'll try to help you in that area. May the Lord bless you. This morning, we're going to be continuing our series called Rise Up. And when you look into our two texts, you can see that there's some very interesting things that take place. The two different texts reveal two different occasions when Ezekiel was taken back to Israel to into the temple at Jerusalem while he was yet in captivity. He, as we said last week, the first time that Ezekiel went, he was at the age of 31 years old because it was a year and a month, a year and two months after his call that he was actually taken there and he was called at the age of 30 so that would make him about 31 years and two months old something like that when he went back the first time the second time that he went it was 21 years after his call so there was a 21 year period between the two events and he was 52 the next time that he went and the two different verses of scripture that we took as our text though speaking of two different events yet there are some similarities I'm not going to get into all of the similarities but one of them that I will get into uh, 
The first thing that we see is, we see that the Bible says that Ezekiel was transported there by the Spirit of God. And I, I want to preach a little bit about the Spirit next week, but I want you to know that Ezekiel got there in Jerusalem by being transported by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that God stretched forth out the form of his hand and he caught Ezekiel by the lock of his head and the Spirit lifted him up between heaven and earth and brought him in the visions of God to Jerusalem. Now there are many different thoughts concerning this event. First of all, did Ezekiel literally appear in Jerusalem Jerusalem, or did he just visit there within a vision? Did he actually go there in person or was he just seeing it where he was at in Babylon with a vision? Some would ask, is it even possible to be transported by the Spirit and is there any biblical record or example where God would even do such a thing? Yes, there's several of them. First of all, there was that man by the name of Enoch. Do you remember him? The Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 verse 5, by faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had took him and before God taken him, he had this testimony that he pleased God. The Bible literally just says more or less that Enoch went for a walk and God and he was, but then he was not, that God took him and he had the testimony that he pleased God. God transported him up in the heavenlies. It's kind of mini rapture for us. We even know that God even transported dead bodies. Moses died and God took the body itself, transported him and put him in a burial, a burial place somewhere where Israel would not even know where it was at because they were going to try to make the body of Moses an idol. And therefore God hid him. And we even see in the New Testament in the book of Acts chapter 8 when Philip was in the desert south of Jerusalem in a place called Gaza. It was here that he sees a eunuch of Ethiopia and riding on a chariot which belonged to the queen of Ethiopia. And he had been on business for a business trip for the queen according to the scripture because the Bible tells us he had charge of all of her treasure and he had come stop by Jerusalem there to worship. And then Philip, he sees this chariot crossing the desert and the spirit tells Philip, draw near to the chariot and join yourself to it. And the eunuch sees Philip walking across this desert. He stops the chariot. He offers Philip a ride and Philip sees as he gets up on the chariot with this guy that he's reading out of the book of Isaiah. And Philip asked him, do you understand what you read? He said, how can I unless someone translated and someone guide me, someone teach me. So Philip then begins to expound upon the scripture in which this guy was reading this eunuch of Ethiopia. And the Bible says that he was reading out of Isaiah chapter 53 verse 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth and he's brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. Philip expounds on the reason for the suffering of Jesus Christ out of this scripture and how that he was a substitute on the cross and how he died for our sins. He expounded the, uh, to the unique on the redemptive work of Christ for us and how that he died for us, paying the penalty of our sin and offering us eternal life. Then the unique asked Philip a question, well, what does hinder me to be baptized? And then Philip responds to him and says, if thou believest with all of thy heart, thou mayest be baptized. And the unique answered and said, well, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And upon that confession, Philip says, that's good enough. All he done was made a confession that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And upon that confession, Philip commanded the chariot to stand still or to stop. And the Bible says that they got off the chariot and they went down both into the water, 
heard both Philip and the eunuch, and Philip there baptized him. Upon the confession that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, Philip received that as him repenting. And matter of fact, what does Romans 10, 9 and 10 says? That thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and believe in the heart that God's raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Aren't you glad that salvation is a free gift of God and it's so easy to be saved? Aren't you glad that you don't have to go through a bunch of rituals and sacrifices and works and all of that? It's We're saved by grace through faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. Upon the confession that Jesus Christ was a son of God, Philip baptizes him there. Then the next verse gets a little bit interesting. And matter of fact, it says in Acts chapter 8, verse 39, and when they were come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught away Philip that the eunuch saw him no more and then the eunuch went his way rejoicing. Here they are, they're being, he's baptizing this guy and all of a sudden uh, he brings him up out of the water and when he does, boom, Philip's caught up by the spirit. He's gone and the eunuch looks around and says, where in the world did he go? Now probably if I would have been the eunuch, I would have thought, I just got baptized by an angel. That's what I would have thought. I would have thought, what, how would you like to go get somebody to baptize you and the minute after they baptize you, he disappears. What an experience for the eunuch and what an experience even for Philip. Verse 40 says that Philip was found at Azotus, which was about 20 miles away and they found him going through the cities preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. One commentary that I read said it was about 90 miles away that he was transported but when I got to looking into it and I have said that over and over because them commentaries keep using that word 90 and when I began to look at it what they were saying is it was referring to Philip's entire travel until he got back to Caesarea. When Philip finally got back to Caesarea the whole route that he took was about 90 miles but the place place that he took Azotus was only about 20 miles away from the place of the baptism. So what literally happened was that the Spirit of the Lord just picked Philip up, transported him to Azotus, and he carried him away 20 solid miles and dropped him off. I want you to know that all things are possible to them that believe. And if God wants you somewhere, he'll get you there. I want you to know it may be by a, a Chevrolet, it may be by a Dodge, it may be by a Ford, it may be by a bicycle, it may be by walking, but if God needs to get you there and you don't have the time to get you there, he knows how to pick you up and transport you and to get you there on time. Can I have an amen? Nothing is impossible. Folks, you're saying, are you preaching some weird things about the Spirit of God coming up and picking men up and transporting them places? Yes, I am, and I want to tell you, I've never seen that. I've never had that happen to me. I don't know that if I'll ever see it in my life time, but I'm not going to deny that it can't happen. I'm not going to deny that God may do some strange things around here. And the, time, the more worse things get and the harder things get, the greater God's going to do things to counteract it. Can I have an amen? Are you ready for this? I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost has put some things in my heart here today. You talking about times getting darker? Well, I'm here to pronounce and proclaim and declare and prophesy they may be getting darker in one scale, but they're 
they're getting better on another scale. Get ready, because darkness is not going to overtake. Light is here, and God's about to explode in the house of God, and God's about to do something like you and I have never experienced before. Hallelujah. If God can reach down and pick up a man and shake him and take him to Jerusalem, God can pick us up, and God can do with us what he wants to do with us. Can I have an amen? Give the Lord praise in this house. We do know that the Spirit of the Lord lifted Ezekiel up between heaven and earth because verse 3 of our text says in, in Ezekiel chapter 8 that the Spirit lifted me up between heaven and earth and he brought me in the vision of God to Jerusalem to the door of the inner gate. Next week we're going to talk about him lifting him up by the lock of the hair. What's that a symbol of? How many's, how many's ever had their hair pulled? God pulled the hair of Ezekiel and he didn't have much. Lifted him up by the lock of his hair. Amen. But the spirit lifted him up. He said, with that, grab, grabbed him by the head of the hair and picked him up. He said, he lifted me up by the head of the hair and he and lifted me up between heaven and earth. He was suspended off earth. And he brought me in the visions of God to Jerusalem to the door of the inner gate. Now, I want you to notice that phrase, he brought me in the visions of God. Some would say, well, Ezekiel never went there. He just hovered up in the sky and seen visions of Jerusalem. Most commentaries and scholars says that the actual translation does not reveal that. That the actual translation means that God picked him up and with vision, he went and was carried to Jerusalem. And when he got there, he did not necessarily see what was going on at that exact moment, but he seen the visions of everything that took place while he was, vision went with him. And if there's one thing that I know is vision must precede the church. Without a vision, people perish. Can I have an amen? The church has to have a vision in everything that we do. Vision has to precede the church. That vision has to go out before you. Just doing works is not good enough. It's got to be done out of the passion of a vision. The vision has to be the sole purpose of why we do what we do. Everything we do has got to be mission-minded, and it's got to be there by the vision of the Lord. Can I have an amen? That's another message in all of us. Somebody got a vision around here? If you got a vision, let me hear it. Well, there's some of you got a vision of the Lord. Can I tell you, before we can be shown anything from the Lord, we have to be lifted up. God desires to lift up his people. You see things and have a better perception from an elevated position. As a matter of fact, if you want to see the enemy, you get up. You know, when I went to China and I began to walk the wall that they had built, they had so many miles of walls or so many sections of walls and when you got there there'd be a big huge tower and you'd go up in the tower and you'd get down and you'd walk another good space and there'd be another tower and you'd walk another good space and there would be another tower. How do I know that? Because I, I, I believed Randy when he got back from walking I got to my first tower and said I'm done. <laughs> Fooey on this stuff. They went up in the towers. This old man said uh uh too much steps for me. But there was tower, section of wall, tower, section of wall, tower, section of wall. 
And that went on for miles and miles and miles. I forget how many miles and all that kind of a thing. But what was the towers for? So they could be elevated to see the pending enemy, to see the, 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 the pending pro, a, a war or danger that might be coming against them. And can I tell you, if there's one thing God wants to do, he wants to exalt and elevate his church and give us divine revelation of what his will is for the church and for our lives. Can I have an Amen. It's hard to see things from ground zero. When you're down here in the mess and you're in the muck and you're amongst it all, it's hard to see past the dilemma. It's hard to see past the problem. So much of the times, our eyes is focused like Peter on the storm and the wind and the waves and not upon the revelation of Jesus who's standing above the water, walking above the waves and walking above the sea. You and I got to understand in order to be able to overcome, we have to be lifted. Amen. Lifted in our spirits. It was a psalmist David that said in Psalms 3, 2 and 3, many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you, Lord, are a shield around me in glory. Now he's saying, I'm putting my trust. Everybody else saying you're not going to deliver me. But he said, I see that you are because you're the lifter of my head and you lift my head high. It's up in that revelation. It's up in that elevated position that he gets revelation of the promises of God. That no longer is the storms dictating to him. No longer is the, the, the problems mocking him and, and making him lose confidence and faith and assurance. But in the spirit realm, he's lifted up and his head is above it all. And he begins to receive biblical and spiritual knowledge that God is with him. He said, everybody else says you're not going to deliver me, but you are. Amen. There's also David that said in Psalms 40 and 2, he lifted me up out of the pit of despair, out of the mud, out of the mire, set my feet up on a solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. I like King James Version a little bit better. He lifted me up out of the horrible pit and out of the miry clay, set my feet up on a rock and established my goings. What do you mean establish his goings? He established his coming in, his going out, his rising up, his laying down, everywhere he went. He said it was orchestrated and the steps of a good man are ordained of God. Everywhere I go, he's there. He come to that conclusion. But I like that first part. He lifted me up. Somebody says he lifted me up. Say it. Say it again. He lifted me up. Did you not know that right now there's a prophetic call and a prophetic uh, uh, assignment of this church that God is fixing to lift up the palace of praise? Now, we notice that most of the time, every time he lifts something up, he takes them out. Woo! He lifted me up, and then he pulled me out of the horrible pit. Out of the miry clay, amen? It's by the revelation we have the power to escape the things that come against us. The book of Ephesians is already declared to us in Ephesians 2 and 6, and he has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Why has he raised us up? What's the purpose? What's the reason for the exaltation so we can just uh, be free and have fun and entertain? No, no, no. Listen to what verse 7 says. That this is the reason of why that he lifts us up until we are seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Because the next verse says that in the ages to come he might show the exceedingly riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. In other words, he has done it for the sole purpose of showing us his exceedingly exceedingly riches that God wants to bless. Did you know it's the will of God to bless and exalt his saints in a corrupt and evil and darkened world? When everything else is falling apart, God's still got enough power to bless you despite what's taking place. 
Everybody says, man, gas prices getting to 350 and inflation. Man, I went and bought a little groceries uh, and I went up to Walmart there and I had, I paid cash this time and I got about 10, I got $15 out. And I thought that'll take care of it and it was 40 some dollars. I said, do what? Amen. Inflation's running off and leaving us. And I'm sitting here thinking, well, man, with gas price, boy, we're in the middle class and the poor is going to be stopped. And all of a sudden, we was riding to church this morning, and Jenny said, ah, I quit saying those kinds of things because the Lord is our strength. The Lord is our bucket. The Lord is our shield in whom we put our trust. I'm here to tell you when everything's bleak and everything's dark and everything's falling around about, about us, it don't have to come nigh us. Why? Because God's got a lifting. God's got a blessing. God's got provision right in the middle of your mess. Can I have an amen? If you believe it, testify that you believe him by lifting your hands and giving him praise. Amen. Praise the Lord. This is what God's up to in these dark days that we face. He's exalting his remnant. He's lifting his church. I don't know if you know it or not, but there's already an elevation that's took place in the palace. As a pastor, I've sensed it. Already there's people walking on higher ground than what they were not too long ago. My dad always talked about walking in tall cotton. I said, Dad, I don't know what that means. When I was a little boy, and he said, son, that means the cotton done good. You're walking in tall cotton. It means it's producing. I'm here to tell you God's about to pull you out of the famine. God's about to pull you out of the drought. God's about to pull you out of the barrenness. God's about to pull you out of the unfruitfulness. And he's about to get you to start walking in tall cotton. Do you not understand what's taking place? If you got any sensitivity of the spirit at all, there's a different climate here. There's a different lift. There's a lifting taking place. Some are being lifted higher and faster than others. But I want to tell there is a lifting and everybody in this place is beginning to grow and they're beginning to move and lifting is taking place in the palace of praise. Oh, yes. That's why Romans 8 and 28 says that we know that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord and to them who are thee called according to his purpose. With everything that's going on, yet God's got a plan, and in that plan, he's not forsaken us. And though it may be dark to us, yet it's a glorious plan in the eyes of God. He foresees our, our, our state. He foresees where we need to go. And did you know, no matter what's going on right now in our plan, God's got a plan for his church. Listen to the prophet Daniel's response to the Babylonian captivity. Here's his response to it. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. And they that turn many to righteous as the stars, even forever and ever. You know what he's saying about the, about the Babylonian captivity? The darker the world becomes, he's saying, the brighter you as the church should shine. And the more you will, shall turn to righteousness. He's saying that don't you understand this is all is orchestrated by God to make the church become more righteous and make the church shine brighter. That he's cleansing us, that he's taking us through trial. He's purifying us through the afflictions and the persecution. Why? So that we can come out as purest gold. And this is what he's saying. Not only are you becoming more righteous, but you're going to turn many to righteous as a result of what's taking place in you. There's a harvest coming. Did you hear me? Sinners are going to turn to God. There's going to be a harvest that's about to take place. 
the darker the world becomes, the brighter the church shines, and the more that we turn people to righteous, and the more of the righteous that we become. And even the world is beginning to take notice, and the sinners themselves is beginning to wise up and just see how dark the world system is really becoming. I want to tell you, the world's come out of their closet, church. They're letting you know what they stand for now. It's in your face. Lawlessness and come on now, don't even want police to govern. Come on. Uh, wanting to have, well, I, I'm not going to go. In, you, I, I've done preached all of that of what all's taking place in our world from wanting to have sex with children and make it a law and, and all kinds of, uh, of crazy stuff. How many thinks the world's gone crazy? Of course it has. The darkness, however, cannot hold back the children of God. Did you hear what I say? Don't matter how dark it's coming. You say, man, the world is so, everybody's fearful and everybody's saying, I've never seen it this bad and I've never seen it like this and oh my goodness, what are we gonna do? The world's falling apart. We're gonna be ravaged. We're gonna be wrecked. I wanna tell you, I'm here to proclaim and I'm here to prophesy. Fear not, fear not. Be not dismayed. Be of good courage. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you, Joshua. So as I was with Joshua, I will be with you, O palace of prayer. The darkness cannot hold back the children of God. The darkness cannot overcome, overtake, or empower, over empower the glorious church of Jesus Christ. When Jesus came into the old darkened world, he robed in robed in flesh. You know what the Bible says? Uh, and when it says when he came, the light shined in darkness, but the darkness could not comprehend it. In John chapter 1, talks about when Jesus came that, yes, the light shined in darkness, but the darkness could not comprehend it. What does it mean, could not comprehend it? It meant that it could not invade it, dim it, dull it, or put it out. But light had sprung up, and when Jesus came, it pushed back the prince of darkness, and it stopped his agenda, and it put everything that he had on hold. Can I have a man? Amen. Can I tell you, nothing has ever changed because that same one that they put in the grave is risen from the grave and he sits at the right hand of the throne of God to make intercessory for you and I. And now we are his body. And if we are his body, the same power that he had is the same power that you and I have. Darkness cannot invade us. Darkness cannot dim us. Darkness cannot dull us. Darkness cannot put us out. I want to tell you, light shines in darkness, but the darkness cannot, cannot do control it. Amen. Give the Lord praise. Oh God. Habakkuk 3.19 says, The Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like hinds feet. And he will make me to walk in my high places. Why do the Bible say God intends for the church to walk in high places and in an exalted position over the earth? Can I tell you, God intends for us to walk in victory, to walk in dominion, to walk in power, to walk in authority. We have the keys of the kingdom of heaven. We have power to tread upon serpents and scorpions. And I want to tell you, God will withhold no good thing to them that walk uprightly. Whatsoever we bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever we loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I'm here to tell you, we are the authoritative branch of Jesus Christ. We're his body. We're his beloved bride. And let me tell you, when we stand up, the enemy sees it and he takes notice. And though he roars like a lion, his old snaggle tooth teeth's been pulled. The sting of death has been taken 
taken out of him. Why? Because we're made more than victors through Jesus Christ who died and gave himself for us. Amen. As God blessed and exalted Jacob, Jacob, even so he'll exalt us. That's what Isaiah 58 and 14 says. Then shall thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth. Riding in the high places is not always comfortable. The funniest thing I ever seen in my life was two people that we took on vacation one time, or I went with vacation with them. One of them was Wade Cavness. The other one was my daughter-in-law, Ashley. We went to the same place, the Roar Gorge in Colorado. It's an old cable bridge that goes across a canyon. And when you look down, the river down there looks about that wide. A train track looks about that wide. And a big locomotive that goes on that train looks about that tall. That's how high it is. And when the wind blows, that old bridge just does this and it buckles. I've seen a Coca-Cola truck, a big, big diesel truck, pulling a trailer across it. And it was bucking to the point that when you would look at it straight on, you'd see the truck for one minute. And then the buckle of the bridge would get higher than the truck. That's how much that thing was buckling under the wind. Wade and Ashley had the both responses. Wade gets out and about halfway through it, and he just <laughs> locks up. I don't like it either, to be honest with you. And I'm sitting there thinking, we are in trouble. I had my 70-some-year-old dad with me at that time. I said, Dad, do you feel like carrying Wade? And he said, no. And he just locked. We get my daughter-in-law, she's going across there and we're in the middle of the bridge, we're not even at the edge. All of a sudden, her lips begin to quiver and a tear begins to come out of her eye. And I'm laughing at her because I thought, you know, and all of a sudden her knees begin to shake. I don't like this, she said. And she's sitting there and she locks up. Don't be afraid of the elevation that's about to come. Don't be afraid of your high places. They're different. It's a different feel. It's a different kind. Man, that spirit get on you, and sometimes you don't even know what to do with it. There's trial and error of learning the Holy Spirit, and that's okay. Don't be afraid or intimidated by the high elevation. And when you don't understand what God is doing, just be patient, because in the place of elevation, he'll show you what to do. Can I have an Amen. It may be dark, it may be hideous, and evil may be rampant, and evil men may be in charge. But I hear the sound of the Holy Spirit saying to me, Arise, my beloved, my dove, my undefiled. Winter's over. Springtime is on the way, just like Song of Solomon. I hear him, him telling us there's a season change taking place. The harsh winter months is forepast. The turtle dove is out singing. It's rejoicing. And there's music returning back to the land. The captives are taking the harps out of the willow trees and they're beginning to fire up a new song. You say, well, what's that all about? You remember what happened when they were led off into captivity? Listen to what they said in Psalms 137, verse 1 through 4. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We remembered the church. When we remembered the homeland, when we remembered Jerusalem, we wept. We hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst of the 
trees thereof because they were saying, you know, worship is gone, music is gone, laughter is gone, joy is gone. He said, for there they that carried us away into captivity required of us a song. And they that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. Israel and Judah responded by saying, how shall we sing the Lord's song in this strange land? We're in captivity, we're bound, but I want to tell you, you know what Psalms 40 and 3 says? All of a sudden, out of the midst of nowhere, David said he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. What does that mean? Do you know why it's called a new song? It's because God is going to do something new. He's going to do things that he's never done with this generation before. And they're going to start writing songs about it. Every revival that ever took place, every awakening that's ever happened in the history of America, you know what? There was always new songs being birthed and new types of music being birthed out of it. No longer are we going to only focus on and sing the songs of the old and de declare what was done in our past, but we're going to sing the songs of our deliverance. We're going to sing the songs of our miracles. We're going to sing the songs of our healing. We're going to sing the songs of our visitation. The songs that we're going to sing is going to come out of our experiences. Can I have an amen? We're not just going to sing the songs of Moses and the songs of David and the songs of the early church, but we're going to sing the songs of Kent and John and Sam and Bill and Louise and Brenda and Denny and Donna and Butch and Bertha and Dale and Jimmy and Ben and Cassie and Terry and Valerie, Jacob and Jill and Sophie and Randy and Mickey and Tom and Kathy and on and on and on and on and on. I'm here to tell you they're going to sing the song that you write about. They're going to sing the song that I write about because God's about to do a new thing, a new work. He's elevating his church and in the fresh of that elevation, new things are about to happen. Can you say amen? He said he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. And he said when he did, many saw it. Many saw it. And they put their trust in the Lord. We're always talking about what God did and what God used to do. And we're always singing about David's experience and Moses' experience and Joe's experience that he had in 1956 with the song that was written back then. Uh-uh. We're going to have a new experience and a new song, and, the new, and this generation is going to take notice of it. Amen? We may have moved into a new era of time, a dispensation, a new phrase of time known as the last days. But we actually moved in that new era at Pentecost. That was the first hour of the last days. Amen? But we're living in the last, 11th hour. We've moved into a new hour, a new dispensation. And even though the Bible says during this dispensation, evil men will wax worse and worse and there'll be a great falling away. And even though perilous and dangerous times will come upon the land and even though iniquity shall abound and there'll be seducers, deceivers, doctrines of devils and there'll be people's faith that will wax cold. And even though there will be earthquakes, famine and wars and rumors of wars, we're seeing it all. Yet the last days is not a time for the enemy to be taken over and reigning. It's almost like we see these things. Jesus said, don't fear, they're coming to pass. Sometimes we exalt and give the enemy more praise than we do God, and we think that the enemy has more power and is in control of the earth more than God is. Amen? Folks, I hate to tell you this, but the enemy can't take over as long as we're here because we're the restraining force. I hear the scripture of Joel 2.28. All that may be going on, but this is going on as well. In the last day, saith God, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. 
and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And upon my handmaidens, I will pour my spirit out. He also said, upon my servants, upon my handmaidens, upon my men, upon my women, upon the children, upon the adults in those days, I will pour my spirit out. I'm going to do it to all flesh. I want to tell you, there may be all that dark stuff happening. You can choose which one you want to be a part of. You can get along and get aside with those that are falling apart, or you can get those that are saying, I'm under the spout where the glory comes out. God's promised me victory in the last days. I will not settle for anything different. I'm going to walk in the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost in the midst of darkness. Isaiah 60 and 1 and verse 2, we quote it quite a bit. Arise and shine for the light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness to people, but the Lord shall rise upon thee and his glory shall be seen in you. When is the, the, this time? For, w- w- when is the time for us to arise? Arise and shine, he says, when darkness covers the earth and when gross darkness to people. He is saying people are going to be evil. People are going to be dark. It's going to get dark. But that's the time for the church to be at its best. This is when the Lord shall rise upon us and his glory will be seen in us. At this very hour, the way that the God, the way that the God counteracts the darkness is by the glory and the revelation and the depth of the anointing that he places upon the church. Jesus has not forsaken us. He said he would never leave us, nor would he forsake us. He promised us that he would be a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And what he did in the time of Moses, David, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he'll do for us. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Holy Spirit is hovering, overshadowing, breathing, moving upon the church. Just like he did on the day of creation. Listen to the day of creation. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 through 4. God created the heavens and the earth. Look at the shape of it. And the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And then God said, well, let there be light. Boom. There was light. And then God said... Saul, let me stop over. And the earth was up form and void and darkness upon the face of the deep. And then it says, I missed the main part, and the spirit of God moved across the face of the waters. And then God said, by that spirit, let there be light. Boom, there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, And God divided the light from the darkness. Now, one move of the Holy Spirit changed the chaotic world into the beautiful creation that it is. He divided the light from the darkness. What do you think he's doing right now? The Spirit of God is hovering, brooding over the church. He's moving, and you know what God's saying? Let there be light. Boom, and there's light. He's beginning to raise people up. And God is turning the ugliness of darkness and void into a beautiful creation. I'm here to tell you, I feel an atmosphere changing. The heavenlies are, in, are is, is charged with the glory of God. The prince and the power of the air is being pushed back and freedom is beginning to reign. 
The flower that faded is beginning to bud. The trees that shedded their leaves is beginning to bloom again. The grass that withered is beginning to spring forth. The stone before the tomb is beginning to be rolled away. The prison cell that holds men captive is beginning to be opened. The hand that was withered is beginning to be stretched forth. The rod and decay of leprosy is beginning to be cleansed. The cancer is beginning to dry up in the name of Jesus. Blindness is given away to light. Darkness is given away to light. Wrath is given away to peace. Evil's being overcome with good. Death is given way to life. Fear is given away to faith. Flesh is given way to the spirit. I hear the words of the church saying, oh, palace of praise, rise, rise up, raise up and be the church I've called you. I'm exalting you for this hour. I'm gonna read part of Psalms 96. I wish I had time to read it all. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord, bless his name. Show forth his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the heathen, his wonders among the people. Why don't you just stand to your feet right now and declare his glory among the heathen? Let the heathen hear you. Yeah. Praise him for all of his mighty acts. Praise him for his wonders among the people. In advance, praise him for cancer leaving. Praise him for the blind being healed. Praise him from the lame to walk. Praise him for deliverance. Praise him. Come on, church. Believe your victory. You may be seated. He said, for the Lord is great, greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For our gods, uh, for all the gods of the nations are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Give unto the Lord, O ye kinders of the people. Give the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due to his name. Bring an offering and come before his courts. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him and all the earth. Now I'm gonna have you do one more time then I'm gonna quit. Say among the heathen that the Lord reigneth and the world shall also be established that it shall not be moved and he shall judge the people righteously. I want you to look and dissect that with me. First of all, he says, you tell the heathen that the Lord reigns. And you tell the heathen the world's not going to be dissolved. The world's gonna be established. And you tell the heathen that the earth is not going to be removed. Everything they're trying to take in char charge of, everything they're trying to take control of and take, take over. Uh -uh. He said, the earth is going to be established and the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And what did he say? The meek shall inherit the earth. Come on now. The earth belongeth to the righteous, not the unrighteous. And then he says, it shall not be moved. He said, because I am going to judge the people righteously. So I want you to stand to your feet one more time. And this time I want you to yell with everything among you and say to the healer, the Lord reigneth. And my life shall not be moved. But it shall be established. And you, O heathen, shall be judged by the righteous God. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Now give him praise. You know what the next verse says? Let the earth rejoice and let the earth be glad. Let the seas roar and the fullness thereof. <laughs> we got something to rejoice about. We're like a tree planted by the waters and it shall not be moved. Our leaf will always prosper. Can I have an amen? You may be seated. I'm here to tell you that justice isn't falling in the streets as we think. God will judge the world righteously. It's all in his timing. When you study the book of Ezekiel's visitations, he sees the sins, the iniquity, the abominations, the idol worship, and the rebellion of Israel and Judah in his first visitation. He sees all the filth, the pollutions, the violations, and the evilness of false worship. He sees the hidden sins of the temple, the secret rooms that they built, and the priest and their idolatry. He sees the 70 ancient elders practicing idol worship and going through their rituals. God takes him, as we said last week, in a tour through the temple, and the deeper they got in the temple, every door that they began to open became more vile and more abominable than the door before them. You'd think, man, you can't get no worse than this. The next thing you know, you open another door, and there it is. You open another door, and it's even worse than the other two. And Ezekiel, by the time he got through with his story, he couldn't believe the vileness, the wickedness, the filth, the stench of all the stuff they were wrapped up in. From all of the sexual perversion to the alcohol to the beast that they had created and the images that they had created and the offerings that they were, the stuff that was going on behind the temple was unbelievable that even some people didn't even know anything about. The God of jealousy was erected right before God that caused God to even be brought to anger. And the favor of God had lifted and said, this is why you're in captivity. This is the reason where you're at. And again, this is how bad it was. He said, even if Daniel, Noah, and Job was here, as righteous as them men was, how many knows that Noah found grace in the sight of God and he was a righteous man in his generation? Job was a man that was perfect in his generation, one man that feared God and eschewed evil. Daniel was a righteous man. He said, if they were here, their righteousness would not save this nation. They would only be able to save themselves. He said, that's how vile that this place has come. However, on the second trip, something happens. He goes to Jerusalem. This something had changed. Something was different when he got there. This, the first time of his visit again, everywhere he went, everything he saw was evil, filth, debauchery, ungodliness, abominations. But this time, everywhere he looked, even at the north gate where the erection of the jealous God was at, there stood the God of jealousy no longer. He saw the flowing of water from the threshold of the house of God. He saw waters issuing forth. They came from underneath the altar inside the temple. And then in Ezekiel chapter 47, verse 1 and 2, he begins to talk about going to the north side, going to the south side, going to the east side. He'd go to the north, water was issuing out from the house of God. He'd go to the south, 
water was issuing out from the, from the throne of God or from the house of God. It was coming down. He'd go to the east, to the west, same thing. He'd go outside the house, it was there. He'd go inside the house. He'd go to the left of the house, it was there. He'd go to the right of the house, it was there. Everywhere he turned, there was waters, uh, living waters flowing from the house of God. And it was speaking of the restoration of Israel. And it was talking about the return back to God. Something changed, something shifted, something transpired, something happened. We're going to get into that next week of what all took place. But all I, not next week because Ziegler will be here, but well, it's going to be, oh my goodness, it's going to be a while. But I got to say this, hang on folks, change is on the way. This is the message today. Ashes is going to give away to beauty. The old hands that hang down are going to be lifted up. The feeble knees are fixing to be strengthened. Mourning is going to get replaced by the oil and the joy, uh, the oil of joy. The old garments of heaviness is going to be changed to the garments of praise. Weeping may endure for an hour, but I want to tell you joy is coming in the morning. Can I tell you what Isaiah 61 verse 1 through 3 says? To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garner of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. They're not going nowhere, that he might be glorified. The weirdest what's going to bring the glory of God to the earth. These things are appointed to us from the Lord. Those that mourn in Zion, they're the ones going to experience. We've been weeping, we've been praying, we've been interceding, we've been hurting, we've been going through the rough stuff, the COVID and the dark and everything that our nation's going through. We're praying against it. We're warring against it. We're doing all we know to do. We're weeping. We are interceding. We're reaping in tears, but I want to tell you God's already decided beforehand. He's already designated. He's already assigned it to us. He's already predetermined it. It's ours. It belongs to us. It's our inheritance. It's our promise. It's our possession. It's ours to possess. We are to grab it, chase it, claim it, declare it. The blessings of the Lord, the exaltation of God. He's given us beauty for action is oil of joyful mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that we might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that we might bring glory to the glory of God. I'm here to tell you, O palace of praise, it's time that we get up out of our seats and start shouting the victory in advance. It's ours. Grab a hold of it. The earth may be turning more corrupt, but the church is coming more powerful than she's ever been in the history of the world. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? I hear the words, oh, rise up, oh, church. Come on, man. It's time to celebrate. I said, it's time to celebrate. It's odd how we can celebrate over earthly things. When I was a little bitty boy, one of the worst things I ever done to my dad that I got, I've just felt the consequences of it. Let me tell you that way. My dad was raised in Black River Bottoms down around Corning, Arkansas. He knew everybody down in that area. When the 4th of July came, they have a big 4th of July party. How many's ever been down there? To the picnic at Corning, Arkansas. Thousands of people in that little old town gathered. More back then than now, but they still gather a lot. But the big thing that they'd done back in those days was they gave away a Cadillac every year. A Cadillac. You'd buy a few chances and throw it in. If they drawed your name, you won a brand new Cadillac. We went down to the 4th of July and we left before the drawing. Dad always kind of stuck around to see who won it. But we left before the drawing that year. We get home 
and me and my brother scheme it up. We had figured out on the old dial phones, the party line phones, we figured out a number you could dial and hang up and your phone would ring. Anybody else knew about that? Anybody in here? All right. So we picked up the receiver in the den and we dialed the number. I forget what it was now. I think it was 911 if I'm not mistaken. We hung up the phone. Dad had done got to bed. It's about midnight and the phone ring, 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 ring. Kevin answers it. Really? Really? Oh, Dad, you won the Cadillac. I never seen my dad move so fast in my life getting to a phone. Through the bedroom, through my bedroom, through the hallway, knocked over tables, chairs, everything his way, fell down, gets back up, goes and hello, hello, only for no one to be on the other end of the phone. It was a hoax. Me and my brother set it up. Worst hoax I ever played in my life. My dad got so excited about a Cadillac. Man, that was a big thing back then. It's time for the church to get excited about the promises of God that God has appointed unto us. Did you hear me? God's giving you a phone call right now saying, hey, you're a winner. Hey, you're a conqueror. Hey, you're blessed. Hey, you're highly favored. Hey, you're anointed. Hey, you're not a loser. You're a winner. Hey, you're not the tail. You're the head. Hey, hey. And he just keeps on and on pronouncing blessing over your life. And you know what we are to do? We're to react by by giving him praise. I want this congregation for the next three minutes to get lost up with the loudest, aggressive, magnificent, praising God for the things that he's already promised us and start grabbing a hold of it. Start declaring it. Start out of your mouth saying, I thank you in advance for that which you promised. It's mine. I take hold of it. I, if, if you promised it, I'm going to receive it. If it's mine, I'm going to take hold of it. I'm not going to deny it. I'm not going to quench it. I'm not going to push it away. I'm not going to be afraid of it. You want to exalt me and use me like Ezekiel? Here I am, oh God. Right now will the church go into that time of worship. Come on, get aggressive with the Lord. Yes. Come on, get aggressive. Let me hear the roar. Let the heathen know that you believe the promises of God. Yeah. says I'm healed. The Lord says I'm blessed. The Lord says I'm delivered. The Lord says I'm strong. The Lord says I'm a victor. Come on, somebody. Somebody needs to understand the blessing of the Lord here today. It's yours. It's yours. Hallelujah.
All right, that's what I want us to do. A couple of weeks ago, we had a marvelous service, and y'all got a roar in you, and that night you came back, you started roaring before the music ever even started. We got to keep that up, folks. We lose it after a couple of weeks. Tonight, I want you to come back with a roar in you. Believe in the promises of God. We activate these things by faith. God has appointed them, but we got to take hold of them and possess them. They're ours for the taking, but we got to activate the blessing. Can I have an amen? So tonight, I want you to come back with a roar in you. Thursday night and Friday night, Let's let the state of Missouri see how the palace of people praise God. I want you to come in here. You say, well, there's, there are new people coming in. What will they think of us? They need to see it. Our earth and our churches are dying. We need a church that'll be a remnant church that's not ashamed to be who they're called to be and not be afraid to think of what everybody's thinking about them. Amen. Thursday night when you come in here and when that music starts, I want you to, I'm gonna be yelling. I need somebody to be yelling with me. Friday night, I believe if we'll set an atmosphere, there's no telling, if, well if we set that kind of an atmosphere, Ziegler will preach till three o'clock in the morning. Amen. I love you this morning. And in dismissal, all I feel like is for me to declare the heavens is changing. The earth is shaking. Winter is over. Springtime and blessings are coming. God's about to judge. Watch him judge righteously. Watch justice be picked up again. See a new day on the horizon. The church will be blessed. The church will be blessed in everything she does. It'll be protected. It'll be sheltered. It'll be under the wings of the Almighty. God will give it grace. God will give it mercy. God will have healing under his wings. And that's where we're at. Healing's coming to the church in Jesus' name. God bless you this morning.
in the middle.